Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Good morning again. Thank you so much for being here at Grace Bible Church. We are talking about defining moments. And you know, a lot of times, uh, a defining moment in life, many times people will, will look at that and say, something happened to me, and, and that defined the rest of my life. But truly, defining moments are not what happens to us, it's choices that we make. Literally, when we make a choice in life, and it's such an important choice that it changes the direction, it changes the course of what we're gonna do with our life or how we're gonna live our life or the attitude in which we're going to move forward in life, that becomes a defining moment. And Jesus is the master of creating defining moments in life. Because Jesus brings us to a place many times where we must make a choice. We must choose what we're going to do based upon what he's asking us, what he's telling us, what he's revealing to himself about us. And we find that all through the Gospel of Mark, and we're gonna look at one of those moments this morning, because many times Jesus brings us to a place where we must make a shocking choice. It may not be shocking to anyone else, but it's shocking to us, because the choice is redefining, reshaping the direction of where we're gonna go and what we're gonna do with our life. So in Mark chapter two, I want us to look at a couple of shocking choices that were made. In Mark chapter two, beginning in verse 13, it says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. In these two verses, we find two shocking choices. We may overlook it as we read it, but as we unpack what's going on here, two choices were made that really reshaped what was going to happen next in these individuals' lives. The first choice is Jesus' choice, and that is that Jesus chose Levi. Jesus chose Levi. Levi was a scandalous, politically incorrect person, yet Jesus chose him to be one of his closest companions. Now, most of us, I would say many of us anyway, I don't know about most, many of us in here may not know who Levi is. He goes by another name that's much more popular in the Bible called Matthew. Levi 
wrote the gospel of Matthew. We're going to talk about how he became Matthew in just a few moments, but this is the calling of one of Jesus' disciples, Levi, who was a tax collector. The reason this is such a a radical, shocking choice is because Levi was a tax collector. Tax collectors worked for Rome. Uh, They generally extorted money from people, and they were considered to be traitors of the Jewish culture. They were despised. When people talked of tax collectors, they lumped them together with thieves and murderers. That's how low they were thought of. They were not allowed to be a witness in court. They were not allowed to be a judge in court. They were considered to be a disgrace to their family. Tax collectors were such of low reputation in the Jewish culture that the rabbis, the Pharisees and the Sadducees actually passed a law that said it is not a sin to lie to a tax collector. That's how low they were thought of. And Jesus walks up to Levi and says, follow me. It is a shocking choice. It is a shocking choice. Jesus Jesus had some pretty shocking choices when it came to picking people to follow him. In a a passage a little later on in Mark chapter 3, Jesus chose another man named Simon, who was a zealot. You couldn't get two polar opposite people, Levi and Simon. It would be like me going to Howard Stern and Ben Shapiro and saying, let's start a church together. That's how radical this was. Folks, I think we forget when we read the Gospels how big the, uh, the, the umbrella of grace really is and how it covers everyone who comes from very different uh, political views, very different value systems. Because I can tell you right now, Levi and Simon were not in the same camp at all. And Jesus went to both of them and said, follow me. And they did. They did follow him. And it's shocking. But what makes this so shocking is that people were watching when Jesus chose this tax collector. And they couldn't believe it. That he would would choose someone of such low moral standards to be one of his closest companions. That's just the first shocking choice. The second shocking choice is the fact that Levi followed. Levi followed Jesus, which altered his career and his financial trajectory. Look, when when Levi said, I'm gonna follow Jesus, when when Jesus came to him and said, follow me, and, and Levi said he would, This this was a life-altering choice for Levi. Now, what's interesting is when Jesus said to Levi, follow me, those words, follow me, they're they're kind of load-bearing words. 
They, they're, not, they're not easy words. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not how you and I might picture what it means to follow someone. Jesus, when he, when he went to Levi and he said, follow me, Jesus was saying, I, I need you to bear my burdens with me. Follow me. It was load-bearing. And Levi responded to that and said, yes, yes, I will follow you. And what's, what's really interesting is that Levi, when he chose to follow Jesus, listen, the most popular disciples were the fishermen, you know, Peter, James, and John. Those are the ones we talk about the most. They were fishermen. Let me tell you something about fishermen. They could walk away from a fishing career and go back to it anytime they wanted to. Levi could not go back to his career. When he walked away from being a tax collector from Rome, he couldn't just go back to that one day and be a tax collector again. This was a radical choice in his life to follow Jesus. It was an act that involved risk and cost for Levi to choose to follow. It's very foreign to us because most of us in today in America, to follow Jesus, I mean to follow Jesus in America, for many of us it is a choice that doesn't involve much risk, nor does it involve much cost. I mean, we just go to another church if we don't like what we're hearing or if we don't like the music. But for, but for Levi, this was a life-altering choice. And that's really what it's supposed to be like for us when we follow Jesus, that it's a life-altering change in course. That's why his name changed. It was very common in biblical times for people to have a given name, but then they would take on another name. We might call it a nickname, but, but it would become their name because what, what they, their given name and who they are is not the same. And so they would change their name. And Levi, his given name, Levi, when once he met Jesus, his life changed course. And he's like, I'm no longer Levi. I'm Matthew. I'm Matthew because the direction of my life and the course of my life is nothing like it was before I met Jesus. So don't call me Levi anymore. Because I'm not, I'm not that man anymore. Not only did it change the course again of, of how he was going to live his life, but it, but it drastically changed his, his financial trajectory, as I've already said. I mean, he had a very lucrative job. He, he made a lot of money. Levi made a lot of money. And he gave that up when he followed Jesus. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Uh, we, you don't have to be poor to follow Jesus. But there's just not very many people that will be poor to follow Jesus. And Levi did. I 
The Bible goes on to tell us that these two shocking choices of, of Jesus choosing Levi and then Levi choosing to follow Jesus, it leads to a shocking party that unfolds at Levi's house. Look at what the Bible goes on to tell us. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Some translations say tax collectors and scum. So Jesus was with a crowd of low moral people. And it raised the question among the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and this, this question was, why is Jesus doing this? Why is Jesus associating with people of such low moral standards? You know, I, in, in my mind when I read this passage, the only thing I can think of is Garth Brooks', Garth Brooks song, Friends in Low Places. I start humming that tune in the back of my mind. You know, you remember the song, right? And, and that's where Jesus is. Jesus is, he's, he, all of a sudden, he's, he's with these people of very low morals. And the Pharisees, they're, they're saying, why? We don't understand. Why would Jesus associate with these people? In, in uh, Middle Eastern times, in Jesus' time, a meal, uh, sharing a meal with someone's different than, than you and I look at sharing a meal. When, when you shared a meal with someone in the Middle East, in biblical times, it, it was it, whoever did the inviting. So it was Levi that invited Jesus to his house. When he invited Jesus to his house, he was saying, basically, I'm offering you loyalty and protection if you come to my house. And Jesus, by accepting that offer and going to Levi's house, Jesus was saying, I now consider you to be a dear friend. We have people who come eat in our houses, we, you know, we can't wait for them to leave. They'll never be a dear friend, right? We, we did the polite thing, we did the thing we had to, we had it, now they're gone. That's not how they did it there. When, when you had a meal with someone, you were saying, you know what, I'm willing to share life with you moving forward. We're no longer acquaintances. No, we're, we're dear friends now. And that's why the Pharisees came along and said, what is Jesus doing? Look at who he is accepting into his circle. Look at, look at who he's willing to say, these people are now my friends. Why is he eating with tax collectors and scum? These people are not people that, that just occasionally flip their nose at the rules and the commands of the Old Testament. No, these people are people who had established that they did not live by the standards taught and promoted in the Old Testament. They didn't just occasionally 
slip off into disobeying the law. They had chosen, we will not follow the laws of Scripture. And Jesus is saying, I'll be their friend. When Jesus heard what they were saying, look at what the Bible says on hearing this. Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Which leads to a couple of observations, things that I want us to think about this morning. First of all, moral reform is not required to be accepted by Jesus. Now, let me just say something. Most of us in this room and many watching online, we might read that statement and say, that's right, Jesus accepts everyone. But it's interesting, as his followers, we struggle with doing it. We struggle with accepting everyone. In fact, I would dare say on a practical level, that there are individuals in our society that if they chose to start coming to church here, many in this room would choose to stop coming to church here. We would celebrate the fact that Jesus accepts everyone, but we would dare not practice what we celebrate. That might need to be something we should think about. Jesus doesn't require people to, I don't know, dress themselves up to be something or someone before he accepts them. He does not consider people to be moral rejects. In fact, he sees individuals like that as patients. And he sees himself as the physician. That's what he refers to in this passage. He, he said, I, I'm, I'm the doctor. I'm, I, I haven't, I, I'm, I'm here to, uh, to heal those who are sick. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Healthy people don't, don't need a physician. And Jesus said, I'm the physician. And I'm here to help these people. It's funny thinking about him being a physician. What a, what a great physician. He comes to us in our need. He makes a perfect diagnosis. He provides the cure. And here's the real kicker. He pays all the costs. He truly is the great physician. The second thing that I would like to point out is that being accepted is not the same as being forgiven. Those are two different things. Jesus accepted them. It didn't necessarily mean that he forgave them. And sometimes we, I don't know, we... In our culture, we've kind of lost the ability. If, if, if we accept someone, um, immediately it is assumed that we're in total agreement with how they live and how, everything they do in their life. And that's not true. Even Jesus wasn't that way. 
The flip side of that coin is, is if for some reason we, we come across as not accepting someone, uh, we, society interprets as, oh, well, now we're haters. We, we hate them because we don't accept everything they're doing. And, and so Jesus is somewhere in between those two extremes. He, he accepted people, but that didn't necessarily mean that he just forgave them for what they were doing that was wrong. And I think it's okay for you and I to, to figure out that balance in our own lives. Jesus doesn't require moral change to love us, but here's what happens if we accept his love and, and we begin to love him back, he will change us. He will change us. I mean, if you can follow Jesus and, and, you, and, and, and you don't encounter some kind of change in your life, you're not following Jesus. Because that's, that's what he does. He loves us and he accepts us as we are, but as we begin to love him back, then he begins to change who we are. And that's where forgiveness begins to step in and play itself out in our lives. There are some people that Jesus can't heal of their spiritual sickness. The first group is those who don't know about him. I mean, if they don't, if they don't know about Jesus, Jesus can't, he can't help them. The second group is, is those who know about him but refuse to trust him. Jesus can't help those people. The third group is those who will not admit that they need him. If someone encounters Christ and they understand what, what Christ stands for and they understand what he is doing, but they refuse to admit that they need him, Jesus can't help that person. And that's what was going on in this passage with the Pharisees anyway. They understood what Jesus was about, but they could not place their trust in him. They could not admit that they needed him. They weren't like the scum. They weren't like those people of low morals. Why, why is Jesus with them? Why is he not catering to us? And why is he not, why is he not uh, doing things to develop a relationship with us? Jesus made it clear. I'm not, you don't think you need me. I can't help someone who doesn't think they need me. The party, though, it created another question. Look at what the Bible goes on to say. It says, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but not yours? So here's, here's what's interesting, okay? Here's a little cultural thing that, that you and I wouldn't, wouldn't know about uh, just by reading this. So the Pharisees taught that you were to fast two times a week on Mondays and Thursdays. These fasts did not come from the Old Testament scriptures. They were rules that they added. They were rules that they said, if you want to be pious, if you want to be good, if you want to be a better person, you must fast two times a week on Monday and on Thursdays. 
And it was a rule they created, not, it didn't come from the scriptures, right? You follow? So what I think happened, can't prove it, but what I think happened is that this party that's taking place at Levi's house fell on a Monday or a Thursday. And so not only is Jesus hanging out with people of low moral standards, but he's also doing it on a day when we're supposed to be fasting. Why is Jesus having, it's not, it's not that he's hanging out with bad people, it's that he's also having a good time while he does it. Why, why aren't Jesus and his disciples like the other religious leaders who are fasting today? Why is it that going on? That's the question that was being asked and Jesus answered. He said, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will, be, will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Okay, a couple of observations in Jesus' answers. First of all, following Jesus is joyful, it's not gloomy. Life is not supposed to be a funeral. Now listen to me carefully. There are things that happen in life that are disappointing and painful and sad. And we will have those moments in life. We will have those seasons in life. But when it comes to following Jesus, there's more joy in following than burden in following. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, look, I'm with them right now. I'm right here. So, so yeah, they're going to be they're going to be joyful right now. There's a day coming when my disciples will fast and they will experience sorrow, but, but not today. Because generally speaking, when we're following Jesus, it is a joyful experience. It's not always meant to be a, a burden. A joy kill, a stick in the mud, how, however we might want to communicate that. What is Jesus talking about? Listen, Jesus has called us to be separate in character, not separate in social relationships. And this is, this is hard to play out because we grow up uh, we've all been taught there's certain people you hang out with and there's certain people you don't hang out with. And I'm not, I'm not talking about hanging out, okay? I'm not talking about going and, and doing something with people who influence you to do bad. Our goal, our goal is to be following Jesus so closely that even when we're with people who are not like us, we are light in that moment, not not becoming like them. Does this make sense? God has called us to be separate in character, 
He didn't call us to, to be separate in the sense that, that we fabricate religious rules and religious traditions to, to show off to other people how well we're following Jesus. And that if they want to follow Jesus, they got to be like us. That's, that's not what Jesus was about. That's not what you and I should be about. Typically, following Jesus should be joyful. We should be smiling more than we're frowning. It doesn't mean that we don't ever frown. We just should be smiling more than we frown as we follow him. The second thing that Jesus points out is that following Jesus is a new way of life, not a mixing of old habits with new ideas. He is talking about wine and wineskins, so um, we, we don't put wine in wineskins anymore. Uh, we put wine in bottles. So I've been told this, it's coming in boxes now too. But anyway, we don't use wineskins, right? So the idea was a wineskin was made from an animal. So a lot of times it was the bladder of an animal, the stomach of an animal, something that they could close off, you know, and make it secure. And so what would happen is if you had a new wineskin, you could put new wine into it, that new wine would ferment, it would bloat, it would blow it up. But because it was a new wineskin, it was flexible. And so as the wine fermented, literally the wineskin could, could expand and the wine would not be lost. And the wineskin, because it could expand, would not burst. But if you took an old wineskin, a wineskin that was not new, and you put new wine in there, as that wine began to ferment and it began to expand, that, that old wineskin had lost its flexibility and it would burst and you would lose the wineskin and the wine. And wine drinkers everywhere would be very sad because both were gone. And Jesus said, when I come along and, and I'm, I'm like new wine, I'm like new wine, you, you, can't, you can't put Jesus into old habits and say, oh, oh, I've got, I've got new ideas about God and how the world works, and I'm just gonna kinda mix that in with my old habits and the way I used to live. And Jesus says, that will not work. That will not work. No, new wine must go into a new, new wineskin. And so when it comes to following Jesus, we become new people. That's what happened to Levi. That's why, that's why we don't call him Levi. We call him Matthew. He was a new person. Jesus did a brand new thing in him. And he could not remain the person that he was and follow Jesus at the same time. And here's, here's what's so damning about what's going on in the American church is that many people inside the American church think they can follow Jesus and be like they've always been. And friend, you're not following Jesus. It does not work that way. 
Jesus says that if you're going to follow me, you must become a new person. He makes us the new person. We just cooperate. We just cooperate with what he's doing in our life as we follow him. There are two ways to destroy a thing. You can, like, like an acorn, okay, an acorn. <laughs> if I was in Alabama, it's an acorn. <laughs> but an acorn, okay? You take an acorn, you know what an acorn is, right? Off of a, off of a tree, you take an acorn. You, you, I wish I, I couldn't find one. I got like a jagillion squirrels, so I don't have any acorns. And, and so, but if you take an acorn, okay, you take an acorn, there's two ways to destroy it. I could take it up here, I could put it on this table, I could take a hammer and I could smash it. It goes into a billion pieces, it is destroyed. I could also take that same acorn, put it in the ground, plant it, and from it come a tree. The acorn is still destroyed. But it is fulfilled through its destruction. And folks, that's what should be happening to me and you as we follow Jesus. It's not, it's not that Jesus places us on a table and smashes us and said, okay, now you're a new person. That's not what happens. No, he takes the old us and from the old us makes something brand new. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. And that is a defining moment. When you understand that is what Jesus wants to accomplish in your life, that he literally wants to make a new you out of the old you. That becomes a defining moment. And you realize what it means to follow him and to live for him. Look, here's a couple of questions we need to think about this morning. You see, Levi made visible choices to follow Jesus. But here's the question, what visible choices are you making? I mean, he had to walk away from his job he had to walk away from, from the, many of the people that he probably associated with. Those that at his house that day who met Jesus and encountered Jesus, some of those people probably followed Jesus, some of them didn't. And those who didn't, Levi probably spent less time with them so that he could keep following Jesus. It doesn't mean that he was no longer friends with them. It doesn't mean that he never spoke to them again. He found that balance between being a person of influence as opposed to being influenced. And so at your workplace, at your school, inside your family, 
What visible choices are people seeing from you that indicates to them you're following Jesus and that you're a person of influence? You're not an arrogant, stuck-up religious snob. No, you're not that. But you're also not influenced by them either. What visible choices can people see from you? The second thing that we have to consider is that Jesus is making a new you. Out of the old, he's making a new you out of the old you. And for that to happen, what agendas, what habits, what attitudes need to be released so the new can be fulfilled. How does, how does that happen inside of you? What needs to be let go of? Planted, destroyed, so the new can be fulfilled in your life. No one's perfect at doing this, but I'm going to tell you something. The only way it can be done is, is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and we, we, here at Grace, we'd love to, to be able to help you understand what that means to have a relationship. And the best way for that to happen, and we encourage people to do this every week, is to connect with us. And you connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 330-400-2869. I know that sounds like an infomercial number. Text this number and we're gonna send you this. That's not, that's not what's happening. You'll be connected to a real person who will begin to share with you and relate with you so that we can all follow Jesus together. Because none of us are perfect at it, including myself. None of us are perfect at doing this. But it's what we've been asked to do, and it is a choice we make. It is a defining moment for us. Am I going to follow Jesus? Not just believe in him, follow him. Not just appreciate some of the things he said, no, follow him. Not, not play a religious game where, where I, I mix what I like about Jesus and I, I try to mix that with what I want to hang on to in my life. No, no, we're, we're talking about following him so that the new can be fulfilled in us. Let's close with a prayer. A prayer that you could use this week, hopefully, as you... Spend some time thinking about God's word and, and what you've heard this morning. It says, Father, my sins make me spiritually sick. I come to Jesus, my physician, to heal me. I know you accept me. I receive your forgiveness by the power of your spirit. Give me the faith and endurance needed to make choices that reveal I am following Jesus and becoming a new person. I pray it in Jesus' name. I hope that can be your prayer as you follow Jesus Christ in your life. God bless you. Thank you for being at Grace Bible Church this morning. Have a wonderful Sunday.
and we'll see you next week.